Welcome back everybody to Diversion Insights. Today, my guests represent healthcare in rural communities, and that is the topic of the discussion. Tom Johnson, the VP of Pharmacy and Lab, and Karen Yale, the, the um, Controlled Substance Coordinator, both from Avera Health, are returning guests. And we also have Jeff Kaufman, the Director of Pharmacy at Hillsdale Hospital in Michigan. So welcome, all three of you. Until we work in a rural setting, I don't think that we can really appreciate the unique challenges that they experience, which is why I asked our guests here today to share with us. There may be some of you listening who struggle with some of the same things and you'll benefit hearing some of their ideas or just simply knowing that you're not alone in the struggle. Jeff, let's start with you. Give us some of your background and demographics of your hospital. Um, well, uh, director of a small rural hospital, about 97 beds total, um, but about a third of that is um, a skilled nursing unit. Um, the rest is general um, uh, population. And we are a small town Hillsdale, Michigan. We have Hillsdale College, which is pretty much the biggest employer. Um, and then it's uh, some industry and mostly farming community. Um, so we serve um, uh, Hillsdale County, um, uh, some of Branch County, um, and then the surrounding communities going around, um, as well as a fairly um, large Amish, Amish population. Okay. Now your hospital contracts with the Hospital Solutions Group, which helps you, I'm sure, with some of the resources. Yes. For, um, go, go ahead. Well, uh, CPS, I'm contracted uh, through CPS um, uh, and Pretty much, they uh, give me a host of tools. I report to our CFO here, but um, CPS gives me the tools that I need um, to stay on track, stay compliant, um, and look for any red flags that may come up as well. Okay. Um, a whole host of other ideas and just sounding boards from my peers. Sure. So I would assume there are some of those, some of those tools are for diversion monitoring resources, but when it comes to culture and then responding to diversion, is it safe to say that that falls largely in the hospital's lap and not the contracting company? That is more on the hospital. Yes. Okay. Um, if we find issues and have um, uh, anything pop up, um, uh, we take an approach first and foremost, look into the situation, sit down with the individuals. Um, if there is a substance abuse problem, trying to get them help, um, save their career, get them enrolled, at least in Michigan, in the health professional recovery program. Um, so uh, hopefully we can get them better, save a career, save a health professional. Um, and take care of it that in that route. Right. Okay. Great. And I think that's one thing I want to talk about today. I'm wondering if there are differences when it comes to rural versus larger, or if really the difference is that because it's a smaller community, we handle them with more compassion, which really shouldn't be different than 
you know, the larger hospitals, right? So I want to talk about that too. But um, Jeff, you had mentioned that you are very involved, the liaison with the Board of Pharmacy and, and state licensing boards. Has that given you any insight into how rural hospitals in your state, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe differ from larger institutions in terms of the approach that they take or culture or diversion investigations? Um, I have two close friends that work in rural hospitals and then a couple that work for the larger hospitals and it just seems the smaller hospitals, we wear more hats, but we're more involved. Um, and uh, it's easier to know, um, not everybody, but pretty much you, you see those faces go by and there's a little more personal touch um, when you're in a bigger um, hospital setting. And I just go back to, um, I worked at one of the bigger Detroit hospitals when I was on my externship and you pretty much were that face just walking by and you might see the same face a couple times, but it, it was just a bigger atmosphere and to try to keep track for the HR group and everybody else, I think it would be uh, a bigger challenge. True, you're more of a number than a, than a face. Okay, Tom and Karen, your hospital group represents some larger facilities and then also some rural facilities. So obviously you can see a difference if there is a difference. So give us an overview of that and what do you see in terms of differences or are there differences in approaches and cultures related to diversion? Well, I'll start. Um, the Vera Health covers 72,000 square miles of uh, rural countryside. Uh, I think we're at 38 facilities, uh, most of which are considered critical access. So we've got, I think it's either five or six that are not critical access, which means 25 beds or smaller, uh, more than however many miles away from nearest, um, nearest other facility. So we have a lot of facilities where there are individual people doing a lot of these roles where a lot of other larger facilities might have departments. Because of that, uh, one of the challenges from a diversion standpoint is that in a very small institution, um, it gets hard, if not impossible, to have an objective look at what's going on with people that you work that closely with. So it can get really awkward as well, trying to figure out what's going on. Um, so what we've tried to do with that is we, we layer in different levels of support within the system. We start with a system level steering committee on diversion. We then have regional um, controlled substance oversight committees that allow some of those smaller facilities um, from that region uh, if, if they suspect something's going on or reports come up or data indicate we should take a look at something, they can have people from that region come in and do an investigation with them instead of them. Uh, and Karen and I have sat in the same room in, in a couple of different sites, uh, helping them walk through what to look for and how to look at that a little differently. Because when you're, when you're a person, uh, it's really hard to take a look at some of those kinds of things. So that's that's how we've tried to lay that out so that you don't have to do that in a vacuum in your own very small organization. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, for, I mean, first I think 
there's a difference. You refer to your hospital as how many square miles you cover, which I have not heard that before. Um, so I think that's that's cute. I like that. Um, but I'm sure it happens all the time when it, when rural uh, systems tell you know how many beds they have. It's not beds anymore. It's square miles. Square miles. Um, that, that's yeah. how we we think about this. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but you know you do bring up a good point, and that's the the biases which we see at every facility, right? I don't care how big or how small that care area leader will have biases toward their staff because they've been working with it. But now you layer on top of that. You know, in a larger hospital, it's like, well, you're not going to look at that. You know, we should be looking at that for you because we don't have the bias. We we don't know this person. We're outside of your department. But if it's a small hospital, who is that person outside of the department that is supposed to take over? So you've, you've built that in into that. That's great. Karen, did you have anything you wanted to, to add on top? Yeah, I think that... Um, one of the things that I noticed that you just said, Terry, was key was that, uh, you know, Tom and I generally don't have to tell our leaders in the smaller facilities that they shouldn't be looking at each other. Um, mm. Generally, what they'll do is they'll reach out to us through the infrastructure that we've set up to ask us to come in because they don't generally want to investigate each other. These are people who just sat together at Easter dinner <laughs> in these tiny yeah. little communities of 400, 600, 800 people. Um, and they all work together. They don't, they really generally don't want to investigate each other. So they'll ask their regional group to ask myself or Tom to come out and take a look so that they don't have to. And it's, I think it's a very mature way of looking at, um, how to take care of their own within their small towns and their tiny communities where everyone is either they know each other or they're related to each other. So I, I appreciate the fact that they're acutely like self-aware in that way. Yeah. You know, that's an important point because people in the larger hospitals, those managers don't want to be doing it either. They're like, no, nope, I don't want to be in this. This is awkward. Either, either they don't want to be doing it because, you know, these are their people and, you know, friends to some extent, colleagues, but also they're not trained. They don't feel comfortable having to approach it. What if I'm, you know, accusing them of something that's not right? But I think that their leadership has the expectation that this is part of your managing responsibilities. So these managers might not really be different. It's just that in a larger institution, they're not really given what they feel is that choice and told, no, you shouldn't be doing this and in the middle of this. And so we're going to take care of it for you. That, that does not put in place for them. So perhaps that's the right. I'm sure you're right. The Easter dinner thing and, and you're sitting across the table, that probably happens more in a smaller setting. Um, you're more likely to run into them at the grocery store or be related to somebody or, or married through somebody or, you know, what have you. Um, but I still don't think I still think that the managers don't want to be doing it. They're just not given the tools, the permission to hand it off and say, mm -mm, I'm not touching this. You know, somebody else needs to do it. Yeah, Terry, I think what I hear you getting at is that everybody needs some help at different times. 
how and where you provide that that help as a hospital as a system um, can vary and and it's okay to have some way to to get people out of these conflicted areas i mean these man it, part of being a leader you have to be involved you have to understand how to do that but you don't have to do it alone you can find ways to be be helped out by a committee um, by a group by another team by somebody at another hospital within your system and i think that's an important point yeah agreed agreed all right are there things that you see differently or do differently in these smaller communities to keep patients and employees safe and address the needs of employees with substance use disorder? Do you see it working differently in these smaller communities? I would say no. I don't think it works differently in terms of the overall structure and process. I think that's the same. I think what's a little different is just the the social context of that it's a little as you shrink a group of people it, it's much harder to maintain your anonymity and your privacy and some of those kinds of things get a little bit more difficult but um, from a process and and procedural standpoint and what we do in terms of no it's not different okay i agree with tom these types of at the beginning of an assessment that dictates whether or not someone gets help or so, someone doesn't, it has to be homogenous. It can't be different in a critical access hospital than the way it is at a larger facility. Um, if we treated, like obviously every case is different and we've had that discussion many times, but I think that <clears throat> the certain criteria need to stay the same um, just based on, you know, which, based on, it doesn't really matter, I guess, based on the size of the hospital or how far away it is from home base. Like that has to stay the same for the most part. Okay, yeah. Jeff, is there anything that you see your facility or others doing that goes a long way to really keeping your employees safe or getting them help? I think you need to give them, um, I think Tom said it too, you just, the atmosphere in that they need to feel safe that they can talk to somebody um, and then being in a smaller community where everybody knows everybody um, they have to be safe enough to one ask help um, and then seek the help and then hopefully be treated go through therapy what have you but um, not have it get out into the community um, and mm -hmm. that's probably one of the bigger challenges um, that if somebody's going to see one of the doctors or what have you, um, that that is pretty much kept um, between patient and the provider and they get their help. And the other thing, though, is if they talk to one of their friends or something, that can get around in the community as well if that gets out. But at the hospital level, at least giving them a safe environment uh, to come forward. Yeah. And again, I think that's, you know, across the board, how do you develop that culture where somebody can feel comfortable raising their hand and saying, I have a problem, um, that it doesn't mean an automatic necessarily loss of license, loss of job, what have you. 
and keep that confidentiality, which should be across the board, right? For everybody, it doesn't matter where you come from, it should be kept confidential. I guess the difference is, is that if somebody, if word does get out, it's in a smaller community, it's more likely that the entire community is gonna figure out, find this out, as opposed to just your own little circle, right? That you've got a few little people opening their mouths. Um, and that can make a difference. I know that at Avera, you have a very robust work reintegration, reentry type of a program, and you try to work with them depending on the, the circumstances, of course. Do you do have, do you have something like that at Hillsdale as well to try to get them back into the workplace? Um, they will go through a couple programs that HR would have for them. Um, they would, depending on um, if they are licensed or not, uh, going through the health professional recovery program and then working along with that. And then um, we do have some additional um, aids through the um, hospital that they've got set up that uh, um, they can talk to. And then there's also a um, anonymous line that if they want to keep it totally out of the hospital, they can call in um, seek professional help that way. Um, and that might be from their home, from the car, wherever they feel comfortable. Um, and the hospital takes care of that as well. You said something interesting, Joe, if they're licensed. And I think that we've, we, I know I focus more on the professionals who are licensed. And that's what all of our monitoring and surveillance surrounds, right? If they have access to controlled substances, then you're just looking to make sure that everything is okay. And that's how we monitor. But there obviously are employees that work for our hospitals that aren't licensed and don't probably have access or shouldn't have access to medications, right? Unless somebody's laying things around um, or they're getting things out of the waste buckets because they're not being wasted appropriately and they're still retrievable. So we do have to think about that. And I wonder if that's a difference maybe in a rural setting is that you're more honed in on those people just watching. You just see differences in behaviors because you know these people and it's a smaller setting. And so maybe there are some unlicensed that um, are going into treatment because they've been identified in a smaller community. Do you guys have any thoughts on, on that? Are you seeing any of that? We've got a little of between the community and the workforce, you've got a little of every that everything there. Um, and it's other than they wouldn't enroll in a health professional recovery program, but the other resources are available for them for help as well. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Are there any cases that any of you can share that would exemplify an approach that worked in a rural setting that was perhaps different than what may have been in a larger institution or wouldn't have worked as well, maybe in a larger institution. Just a different approach. Well, I wouldn't say it's a different approach, <clears throat> but um, we have had to utilize our, our system level teams to help smaller facilities. So 
when there's a person in a given area, there's no one else to really do that investigation. So we, we've had to we've had to bring some folks um, and, and bring teams in to help support those smaller facilities. So that I guess if you want to, it was a different. Well, it is because I guess there's more of an outside version where in the, the larger facility we we just bring people from another area or another department, but they're still within that overall hospital. Um, but there's not there's really not another area to bring them from so you you have to do it a little bit differently um, by bringing other people into the organization which um, you know certainly can create um, creates a, some interesting conversations as a bunch of people that aren't normally there show up to start doing some some audits and some work and that that of course creates a little bit of conversation in the right. yeah what what about the fact so let's say that somebody you know either they they are found out or they ask for help and then they disappear right because they're in recovery and they're going through their program and then in a larger community that person doesn't have to if they want to keep working they don't have to come back to the institution where they were at whether that institution has a re-entry program and would allow them or not they can choose to go somewhere else and start fresh, so to speak. But in these smaller communities, if they want to get back to active working with their license, I imagine their choices are slimmer. And the chances of them having to go back to that same institution if they want to keep working are much higher. So they've disappeared and we've kept it all quiet and now they're back. How does the is is that just one of those things that are people typically pretty honest and then the institution uses that to their advantage because they're saying hey we're a place that will welcome you back after you've you know healed and gone through that recovery or do you find that nobody kind of talks about it and that's where rumors start going or do you have any sense i'm, I'm sure again each situation is different but in general do you see it kind of handled one way versus the other in those cases? I think that Avera, as um, the facility that jo that Tom and I work for, the the facility that we work for, the the organization has done a lot of work to reduce some of the stigma surrounding substance use disorder. Um, it's not something that we celebrate at any point, but at the same time. Um, some of our systems are so so far away from the punitive stuff 30 40 you know even 20 years ago so the more work we do to reduce that stigma and i know i'm gonna sound like i'm soapboxing here <laughs> um but this is the public health study uh, studious part of me um but the more that we reduce that stigma in smaller communities the more people are like usually more willing to talk about their experiences and if i came across someone like Tom Johnson, for example, who is a successful executive that has been through the Health Professionals Assistance Program, and he's willing to talk about that, um, not maybe in a public setting, but um, with a little less fear, then chances are more likely that I'll seek help when I have that problem. So yes. I think that like, from a culture standpoint, um, the more compassionate to your organization can be, the better for things like that. Um, and I know that that's a huge, like a broad answer <laughs> to 
um, to, like a sweeping answer to your question. But at the same time, you know, what they choose to tell their their colleagues and their family members, which sometimes are the same people um, in these scenarios, is really up to them. We, we're not interested in, in shaming them or breaking them down in any way, shape or form. Um, but a lot of times they come back with some on their own. So it really depends on how they want to handle it. Yeah. Those are good. Those are good points. Uh, Jeff or Tom, did you want to add anything to that? Well, I think the comment of sometimes their peers, coworkers, and everybody else is smaller than community. Um, we've got folks that have um, pretty much grown up been born in town, lived in town, have worked here. This is their only job. Um, and a lot of folks know each other. Um, they have confidences with their family and some of their family they may not want to talk to about that. Um, but the, I guess, atmosphere, uh, as you said, welcoming, welcoming them back, one is how much they are going to divulge to whether it be their peers, their family and such. Um, and if they do know things, uh, what I've seen in the short time I've been here, um, things seem to work out pretty well. Okay. Yeah, what I would add is over the years, I think as people have, um, you're right, if you're kind of in that one small community, a lot of times people move on, particularly if they've, if they've had an actual diversion issue or they've been dismissed from an organization, um, they'll, they'll move on. They may still live in the community, but they'll choose to commute to a different facility for a fresh start. Um, and, and that's probably been most common um, just from their own recovery and, and process. Um, and, you know, to be, to be clear, I haven't been through the, the, uh, <laughs> the uh, recovery program, but, but, you know, just I would <laughs> but Karen's right. I am pretty open about different things and different challenges of, of uh, and, and people choose how to, how to relate that information back. And, um, that, again, that's part of their own recovery and their own process. Yeah. 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 Well, you're right. I mean, it, it's a good point, Karen. It comes down to that stigma piece of it. Right. And that's something that we're that's part of the reason for these podcasts to get that information out and humanize it so that it's doesn't it's not the oh, I can't believe that, you know, it's like, oh, my. And it's more of that compassion and can imagine what they've been going through, you know, that they have found themselves in this place. And and I, I don't know, I have to think that maybe it is easier to create that culture of compassion and remove some of those stigmas at a smaller place, but maybe that's just naive in thinking that. Like, you know, you're all a, a family and you're a little bit more understanding. I don't know, maybe that's not accurate either, but we do have to continue to reduce that. And it, you're right, it's part of their healing process that they're gonna have to deal with you know, what is this going to look like on the other side? And so when they're ready to get to that point, then that's something that they start have to, to assessing and, and may include moving or driving someplace else. Um, so again, it's really the same thing that everyone has to deal with when they're going through that, that recovery portion of it. So it sounds like 
other than everybody maybe being related to everybody and sitting across the table at Easter, there really are not a ton of differences in how it should be handled if you have an effective program. You keep all the same pieces in place, try to rebuild the biases, um, do it with compassion, welcome them back if they you know, choose to come back and they have gone through that recovery successfully depending on the situation and keep everything confidential and it's up to them, but it's the same basic principles. Okay. All right. Anything, any of you want to add before we wrap it up? I grew up in one of those tiny little towns with a population of 750. So I think I, I, I can safely say that I understand what the gossip mill looks like. Yeah. You had kind of touched on, are we talking about this or are we not talking about this? I think that it's a lot different now than it was then. And, you know, Tom and I have a philosophy of making this the village's problem instead of the individual's problem. And I, and I think that to an extent that works really, really well for us. Um, I'm not sure how it works like with Jeff's facility, but um, for us, the easier we come down on this, like, and the more we treat substance use disorder as a disorder, um, the better off we are as, as these communities grow or shrink or whatever. But like the one thing that I wanted to point out is that um, something that happened with our last critical access case, um, I remember thinking this one has more clout because this is a tiny little hospital. If for some reason the DEA had to find um, a small facility like this, there's an entire community of people that would have to travel further for their health care. Um, so from Tom and my perspective, and sorry, Tom, I don't mean to speak for you, but like those hospitals are almost, we almost have to protect them and safeguard them even more, almost as if they're um, just a little more precious because they are quite literally caring for a group in the population of South Dakota that would otherwise not have access to healthcare that they need. So from a patient care perspective, um, I think it's really important that we treat those little critical access hospitals and those hometown clinics, um, like with kid gloves, like we have to be very careful with them because if we don't protect them um, from damaged reputations and you know DEA fights, God forbid, um, if we don't protect them from that, then we have a whole population of people that go without. So, I mean, I think from Tom and my perspective, like we do kind of treat them a little bit differently. And I think that that's okay um, because we can't just like do this in a vacuum either. So, right. um, yeah, I think that's a really good point, Karen, is it's not, oh, they're just such a small hospital. We don't need to devote the resources to them or we don't need to have an official diversion program you know, if something happens, we'll deal with it. Or it's it's so small, we know everybody, it would be so clear, we'll jump on it if we need to. It's almost the opposite. They, you, you need to be very focused because number one, you wouldn't be able to afford any of the fines, not that any facilities these days can't either, but, and if 
the ramifications were to shut them down, that would be devastating in the community. So we do need to put some time and resources from the parent facility or however it is you're going to make it work. But rather than ignore, they actually might need more attention to make sure that they're protected. It's an interesting perspective. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to thank all of you for your time. I know you're you're busy, uh, as as all of our pharmacy leaders and employees are. So I will let you go. But thank you very much for sharing your experiences in your rural hospitals with the rest of the community. Thank you for having us, Terry. Absolutely.